بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله النبي العظيم الحمد لله رب العالمين صلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطيبين الطاهرين لا سيما بقية الله في الأرضين جل الله تعالى وفرجه الشريف اللهم أخرجني من ظلمات الوعد وأكرمني بنور الفعل اللهم افتح علينا أبواب رحمتك وانشر علينا فزائنا Inshallah, we start Unit 4. Alhamdulillah, we finished discussions about knowing God and knowing human beings. Now we want to start with the Unit 4, which is about guidance and, in particular, prophethood. The next unit unit we will focus on prophet of Islam the unit starts with a general principle and that is the principle of guidance we believe that God the Almighty has provided every creature with its due guidance. There was a question asked by Pharaoh. Pharaoh asked Musa and Harun Waman Rabbukuma Ya Musa. Who is your Lord? Or Musa or Moses? And the answer was Ramunaladi Aqa Kulla Shayan Khalkahu Thumma Hada. Our Lord is the one that has given everything its due creation and then guidance. This is a very beautiful ayah and this is chapter 50 verse 20. Similar to this is in Surah A'la. الَّذِي خَلَقَ فَسَوَّى وَالَّذِي قَدَّرَهُ Allah is the one who created and then completed everything in a balanced way, in a measured way, and then guided. So, we believe that everything which has been created has also been guided. What does it mean? It means that if there are potentials, they are created in the way that they can actualize their potentials. They can move on to their own perfection or completion. If you have animals, if you have birds, if you have insects, if you have plants, even non-living beings, if they have potentials, then they can reach their potentials Provided there is no external obstacle. Maybe, for example, you seed, you plant a seed in the soil, and then an animal eats the seed. So it's not growing. It's not because there is no guidance for that seed. It's because of something external. Or maybe a child, for example, dies. The child is killed. 
we are not saying that every individual would reach its perfection or completion, but we are saying that there is a principle in the creation that everything is able to grow towards its destination unless there are overriding external factors. But when it comes to higher levels of being, this becomes more obvious. For example, what you can notice as different possibilities, different potentials for plants is much more than non-living beings. And what you can notice in insects is more than plants. What you can notice in birds, in animals is more. But in human beings is the most. So depending on their sophistication, there are more options for them. This is what we call Al-Hidaya Al-Am. Al-Hidaya Al-Am. General, inclusive guidance. When it comes to human beings, and this is where we want to expand, and the reason we discuss this after Unit 3 is because in Unit 3, we studied human beings and the potential they have, the needs they have, the opportunities for progress they have. So this is why we discuss it here. When it comes to human beings, we have, in addition to that general inclusive guidance, some extra forms of guidance that you may not find in other beings. One is fitra. Alhamdulillah, we already several times talked about fitra, whether it be as an argument for the existence of God, or when we talked about human na uh, nature, we talked about fitra. Fitra is something more than instincts. Instincts we share with animals, but fitra is a special way for creation of human beings. <coughs> remember, I told you, for example, although we and animals share, for example, care for our children, a human mother, an animal mother, they have care for their children, they love their children, they are ready to do certain things for their children, but animals act only by instinct, and they cannot disobey their instincts, they cannot be innovative in their dis uh, response to instincts, they act the same way. But some human beings may even decide not to act according to their instincts. There are human mothers who abandon their children. <clears throat> they may even, you know, hurt their children. They may even kill their children. It's not that human beings always act by instincts. There is free will. Also, if they want to respond, they can respond in a different way. So, we are not only driven by instincts. We have fetra, which is exclusive to us, something not shared by animals. We have aql, intellect, which is different from brain. When I refer here, I don't mean that this is exactly aql, but just a kind of a way to simplify things. We have aql, 
And we have Wahy, revelation, which is our main topic in this unit. So sometimes we receive guidance through fitrah, the innate way of creation for us. Sometimes through intellect and sometimes through revelation. Through fitrah, we have some desires and some types of understanding. You remember I told you before that fitrah sometimes comes in the form of understanding, sometimes form of desires and inclinations. For example, we have understanding of God, which is fitri, and we have yearning for God, which is fitri. We have understanding of beauty, which is fitri. You are not in need of someone telling you what is beauty. You have also desire for beauty. Okay? We have interest in knowledge, we have interest in kindness, in benevolence, in love, and <coughs> we have some understanding of them. So this is fetrah. In addition to fetrah, we have aql, <coughs> we have intellect, we have reason. And we believe, especially in the school of Ahlul Bayt, that this is also a very important divine gift which we can call it hujjah. It's a hujjah of Allah. Not only it's a blessing, not only the ni'mah, but it's also a hujjah. As you might have heard, Imam Qatim in his famous hadith to Hisham ibn Hakam, which is in the beginning of Al-Kafi in Kitab al Wal-Jah, just after a few pages, you have this beautiful hadith, which is a long hadith in which Imam salam talks about the significance of knowledge and the significance of intellect and he says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has two types of proof or hujjah, two types of communicating his will to us and understanding and discovering his will by us. One is hujjatan zahirah wa anbiya wal a'imma wal rusul the external hujjah which is given to us through the prophets and imams and messengers the internal one which is through intellects and these two are always in harmony with each other there is no conflict there is no confrontation because as you know, one of the important questions in philosophy of religion is how to put reason and revelation together. In many religious traditions, they have the idea that these two cannot be put together. They conflict with each other. Some people even have gone to the extent that they say there is no problem in having something against reason in religion. There can be mysteries in religion, and we are happy. Even some people, you know, said that we believe in certain doctrines because they are not believable. So, this is what some other traditions have said. But in Islam, we believe in ha harmony between reason and revelation, and we say that there is no way, no way to find contradiction between reason and revelation. The only thing is to make sure that you have proper understanding of religion, 
and you have decisive judgment of intellect. If there is decisive judgment of intellect, if there is decisive rational argument, and something that 100% you are clear methodologically that it is said by religion, they cannot contradict. So the contradiction, if there is any contradiction, is solo. It's because either we have not understood what religion says, or we have not understood what Aval requires, or maybe we have not understood both of them. If we understand them both properly, there will be no contradiction. The rule of co-relation, which says, whatever judgment is made by reason, the same is made by religion, and whatever judgment is made by religion, the same is made by reason. Reason and religion make the same judgments. So, there is no conflict, there is no confrontation between reason and revelation. The third thing is revelation. When it comes to human beings, not only we enjoy general guidance, like what? What is the general guidance that we benefit from? Instincts. We have instincts like animals. In addition to general guidance, we have fetra, we have ad, but we have also wah, revelation. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has also talked, spoken, sent messages and communications to human beings. But when it comes to aql, every individual is receiving this guidance. When it comes to fetra, every individual has this fetra. Maybe the fetra is not intact. It's possible, but the fetra has been given. If it's not intact, it's their problem. Maybe they don't follow their aql, but the aql is there, the fetra is there. When it comes to wahi, what's the difference? It's always intact. Pardon? Always intact. Ah, it's always intact, but not given directly to every person. And perhaps this is one reason why it is intact. To receive revelation needs some level of <coughs> perfection, some level of purity that not every person has. <coughs> so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses among his servants the purest ones, communicates to them, but not only for their own sake in order to relate and convey it to other people. <coughs> so we have, according to some hadith, not according to the Quran, the Quran doesn't mention this number, but according to some hadith, we have 124,000 prophets. So these are like representatives of humanity. These are the people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose to speak to them, to communicate to them. But through them, we can also receive guidance. Out of 124,000 prophets or anbiya, 
which is plural for Nabi. We have 313 Rasul. What is the plural for Rasul? Rasul, yeah. Messengers or apostles. These are some prophets. So every Rasul is prophet. But every prophet may not be Rasul. Yeah? So out of 124,000, there are 313 Rasul who have a message. They have been given message by God. Because some Anbiya, they only preached the message given to a Rasul, which was not necessarily themselves. So sometimes there were prophets living at the same time, even sometimes in very uh, you know, close distance with each other. In mind, Bani Israel, sometimes we had cases that tens of prophets lived together. They all didn't necessarily receive separate messages. They preached the message of the nearest Rasul or messenger. They preached. But what was important, they had infallible understanding of that message. They had a direct access to that message through Wahi. And they were infallible in communicating that message to other people. So they were infallible teachers for other people. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has provided humanity with these people that he spoke to them so that they relate to us. And the Quran mentions some of these people by names, but the Quran says there are many that we have not mentioned their names. As far as the Quran is concerned, to every nation a messenger has been sent. At least one messenger. We have dispatched, we have sent to any nation a messenger. And the core of message was the same. To worship God, the only truth, the only absolute beauty and perfection and kindness and mercy, and not to follow Ta'ud, the devil. The core of messages were the same. This doesn't mean that for every generation a messenger was sent. It says for every nation. So, for example, people in China, people in Japan, people in, I don't know, Russia, people in Brazil, to any corner of the world, to any nation, at least one messenger has been sent. But then it was the responsibility of people to preserve it for next generations. So Allah didn't keep sending for every generation a new message or a prophet who at least uh, preached the previous message. A messenger was sent, then 
Whether they preserved the message completely or they didn't preserve, that's another issue which was responsibility of the people. But what is important is most of the fundamental teachings are preserved. If you travel from the east to the west, you find that they share the basic moral values. Whether they observe it or not, they practice it or not, is another issue. But almost all people share the basic of morality. Part of it is because of their fetra, another part is because of the common teachings and legacy of the messengers. But if the prophets and the messengers were welcomed and appreciated and the messages were preserved, of course we were in a much better situation today. So, in order to understand this concept of prophethood and revelation better, let us start with a short description of the concept of Wahy. If you are interested in knowing more, so I have a paper called Revelation as Understood by Muslims. And you can find it online. This paper talks about different meanings of why, different types of why, different types of receiving why, and who are the prophets, how did they receive message, how did they deliver the message, and so on and so forth. But for the time being, what we have in the book is first a description of why. In Arabic, why literally is used when someone gives a secret and quick message to another one. So wahi is secret and quick message, literally. So in all different types of uh, occurrences, you find this common principle, common root. A message should be given, it should be fast and secret. So it's not that you want everyone to understand. You have a target, and this message is for the target, targeted person. If you look at the Quran, you find in the Quran we have different types of wahy. For example, Sometimes in the Quran, why is used in the sense of natural instinct, a guidance that given through natural instincts. Do you remember the words about bees? Your Lord did wahi. What does it mean wahi? Does it mean the bees received prophetic revelation? No. Your Lord revealed, communicated to the bees. It means that guided them through natural instinct that they should choose mountains as their places of life and residence. And you know we have the best types of honey when it's produced in mountains. Which 
Sometimes in the Quran, Wahy is used in the form of inspiration. Again, this does not involve prophethood. You know the story of mother of Moses. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Awhayna ila umm Musa an We sent wahi to the mother of Moses. What does it mean? Wahi means inspiration, means ilham. We say ilham, inspiration. We sent this communication. It means we inspired her that you should foster him and then in order to protect him, put him in a gasket and put him into the river. Even sometimes can be bad communication. Satan's also communicate to each other. Here it's not positive communication. It's a negative communication. But again they communicate. It means that there is a internal and confidential way of communicating between them other people don't understand okay remember we said in why you give a message in a secret way secretive way and quickly so sometimes why is used as a communication to the creatures like honeybees sometimes it is used in the sense of messages given either in a positive way like Allah gave a message to mother of Musa she was not a prophetess but she received this inspiration sometimes bad people inspire each other so this is a kind of inspiration but not prophetic revelation but sometimes of of course the way is used in the Quran in the sense of God communicating to prophets and this is the main meaning of Wahy for us. This is the technical meaning of Wahy. In Kalam, in theology, when we talk about Wahy, we mean this one. We mean those special people who were selected by God and God communicated to them so that they would be able to understand the message of God and pass it on to other people. Either they were themselves given message or they were taught the message given to another prophet, another messenger, but they had this infallible reception and representation of divine message. In the Quran, at least 70 times or more than 70 times, we have Wahi and its derivatives for the prophets. This is one of the most if not the most sophisticated way of communication. Something that when happens, it leaves no ambiguity. In that paper, I have explained that it's impossible to receive value from God and then remain in doubt. The story that you find it you know, in many Orientalist books and it is actually coming from some Muslim sources, of course not Shia sources, 
that when the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, for the first time received wahi, he was surprised. He didn't know what happened. He went to Lady Khadija, and Lady Khadija suggested to visit her cousin. And then they went together to visit her cousin, who had knowledge of the previous books. And upon hearing what happened to the Prophet, he said to the Prophet, you are a Prophet. We don't accept this story in this way. You say, it's impossible that a Prophet is selected by God and is chosen by God to be guide for people, then he himself needs to be assured by someone else that you are a prophet. When Wahi comes, it's so obvious that it's even more clear than seeing something by your eyes. In that paper, I have explained that, for example, when Quran talks about Wahi, sometimes uses the concept of Rubya. Quran talks about vision, about eyes, of course, eyes of the heart. Everything is about vision. What the Prophet receives revelation is much more clearer than us seeing something by our physical eyes. There would be no doubt, no ambiguity, no unclarity, no kind of hesitation. So, this is what we call prophetic revelation. And this prophetic revelation is very, very important. Although we can do some of our things through general guidance, like other creatures. And we can do extra through fitrah and aql. But for human beings to reach the heights of perfection, we need wahi. You see today in the world, people who do not refer to aql, uh, sorry, to wahi, even if they think they use aql, they have fundamental differences, even, for example, about abortion, there are differences, about many issues in ethics, especially when conflicts come, when you need to prioritize, there are differences. There are different schools of thought, there are different philosophies. We need a solid, strong ground that first can give us confidence, something that you can dedicate your life without hesitation. Also something that gives you detailed answer to the questions that are not easy to understand. Yes, when something is easy to understand, when something is obvious, all is enough. Most of the time we need guidance when things are not obvious. When people disagree, when different schools disagree, we need here something that gives us detailed answer. 
and also something that tells us about the things that our reason has no way to know. It is true that Agl would not contradict revelation, but there are many things that Agl has no access. You know, there are many things that you understand by your perceptions, by your senses, not by your Agl. For example, what is the taste of ice cream? You cannot understand it by apple. Even if you are a philosopher, you cannot understand the taste of ice cream by apple. What is the touch of, for example, a flower? Unless you touch it, you cannot understand it. What is the smell of jasmine? You cannot understand it by apple. Or if I ask you how many people are in the next room, in the next house, you cannot understand by Aql. It's not that Aql makes a false judgment. No, if you follow Aql logically, Aql says, I am silent. Aql says, I cannot make a judgment about a smelling, about taste, about how many people are in the next room. Because these need extra data that I cannot have. Even if I think till end of the world, I cannot understand how many people are in the next room. You have to go and see. Also, what are the things that are going to happen on the day of judgment? What are the characteristics of hell and heaven? This is not what Agal can say anything about it. Agal only can understand the basics, the principles, the universals, but not all the details. So, we need why not to replace Aql. This is wrong. No one should think why replaces Aql. Or when why comes, Aql stops. So we move by Aql, and then when why comes, Aql is no longer needed, and we say Khodafers and goodbye to Aql. No. We follow Agl. Agl brings us to religion. Agl brings us to true message of God, true revelation. By Agl, we listen to different claims. We identify which one is the true message of God. And then after that, still we use our Agl, but we have now additional guidance. So Agl and revelation go along with each other. Shoulder by shoulder, they go together. There is a supplementary role for revelation. Otherwise, even for understanding Quran, understanding Hadith, you have to follow your Aql. We believe that Aql has to be always followed. Aql is a hujjah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But this hujjah itself tells us that you should not deprive yourself from a bigger hujj of Allah, which is revelation. So, this is the discussion that we had about Agl and Wah. At the end of the session, I would like to refer to some verses and hadith about Agl, which we have in the book. And inshallah, we continue this discussion next week. There are many, many verses in the Quran about the significance of Agl, significance of thinking, and also criticism of those who do not think, do not ponder. This ayah is one of the 
very beautiful ayahs in the Quran about the people who end up in being in hell, in fire. They say, وَقَالُوا لَوْ كُنَّا نَسْمَعُ أَوْ نَعْقِلْ مَا كُنَّا فِي أَصْحَابِ السَّعِيرِ If we had listened, nasma, if we had listened, listened to prophets, means if we had followed revelation, أَوْ نَعْقِلْ If we have been thinking, we were not put among the people of fire. So it means that these people realize that the reason for being there is neither they listened to the prophets nor they used their own aql. So they didn't use both of these ways of God communicating to us and guiding us. And I sometimes use this ayah to say that even aql of such people is hujjah. If they had followed their own aql, because it doesn't say if we had listened or followed aql of other people. It says if we had listened or used our aql. It means that even these people, if they had really listened to the voice of their intellect, they were not misguided. Because aql in all people gives the same answer. Some people might be more bright, more fast, more sharp, more intelligent. Okay, but the response that aql gives is always the same. It's not that to someone aql says, you must you know, be keeping your promise. To someone else aql says, you must not keep your promise. Aql always says the same thing. Some people maybe find it faster or clearer. Some people may take them time, but the answer is always the same if it comes from aql, because in aql is a hujjah of Allah, a hujjah of Allah, whether it's in the east or west, in a young or old man or woman, always says the same thing. Hujjah of Allah, never you know, misguides us, never you know, gives us confusing answers. إِنَّ شَرَّ الدَّوَابِ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ الصُّمْءِ الْبُقْءَ الَّذِينَ لَا يَعْقِلُونَ The worst of the animals, the worst of the living beings are those who are not hearing, talking, which means they cannot hear the truth, they cannot speak the truth, those who don't think. So the people who are not able to understand the truth and speak the truth and listen to the truth, these are the worst people. And when it comes to hadith, we have these hadith in the book. One hadith is from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in which he said, means ask aql for guidance turshadu and then you will receive guidance do not disobey aql because if you disobey aql you will regret 
So follow your intellect and don't disobey your intellect. But as I have said before, it has to be decisive judgment of Adam, not you know, just guessing and you know, opinion. Another hadith is from Amirul Mu'minir, the first was from Rasulullah, the second from Amirul Mu'minir. Allah Rasulul Haq. Intellect is the messenger of truth. So through intellect you should be able to understand the truth. Inshallah we continue this discussion next week. Wa da'wana and alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen.